them to Jesus. But I think our prayer in the next few minutes needs to be, Jesus, we want you to come here and we want to hear what you want to tell us. We want to hear your convictions upon our life. We want to hear your word. We don't want to lay everything out and, and completely miss what Jesus has because we're so busy laying out our burdens and our stuff that we miss what he wants to tell us in this lesson. And it'll make a little bit more sense when we get into the lesson tonight, but I think it would be fitting tonight if we just invite Jesus in here as though we're, we're sitting across the table from him. And Jesus, we want to give you the chance to talk now and you the chance to discuss these things with us. Can we just lift our hands and, and pray that prayer here tonight, Lord? We have come here in this service tonight, God. And Lord, there are obvious burdens and things in this place, God, but we're going to push those aside for a little bit, God. Our sins, we're going to push those aside for a little bit, God. All the sorrows and the grief, God, we're going to push that aside, God. And Lord, we want to commune with you in these next few minutes, Lord. We desire to hear from you and your word, God, that what you want to speak to us, God, that's what we desire to be wrote upon our hearts tonight, God. We want your word to be wrote there, God, something that last for eternity, God. Help our ears to be open, God. Help our eyes to see, Lord, what you want us to see, God. We desire to have your impact here tonight in this place upon every one of us, God. Lord, we invite you here, Lord, to speak to us, God, to commune with us, Lord, and to put your desires inside of this church, Lord. We desire that friendship with you, God, and we believe it here tonight in this place, Jesus, that you will do that, God, that you can speak God as we push these things aside in Jesus name and we absolutely believe that here tonight if you believe that he's across that table from you and he's willing to speak let's just thank him and praise him for what he has done in Jesus name Praise God. You all can be seated tonight in Jesus' name. We thank you again for coming on a Wednesday night. I know schedules are busy. Um, you know, we, we uh, have work and things like that going on, but it is so incredible to be here in his presence and, and seeing what he will do in Jesus' name. So we, uh, these next two weeks, I have been challenged and tasked with doing kind of a double hitter. And uh, I was never good at uh, baseball sometimes, so I'm not really great at home runs, but uh, we are going to try to do this. So tonight and next Wednesday, we are going to do two lessons in, in one uh, night. And so if we skip over some things, that's probably going to uh, make a little bit of sense, but we are on lesson 3.1, um, and these lessons are powerful. There's some great substance inside of these, and so I, I'm believing that these will greatly impact you and, and really help you out um, in your walk with God, and so I'm thankful for it. These also, I'm believing, are going to be convicting in some senses, because when we speak about um, friendships, I think we all can speak about how this has impacted our lives. It's something that none of us are immune to. Um, we've all probably been hurt at some point in time. We've all probably had some great friends in our life. We've all probably lost some good friends in our life and, and things like that. So when we speak about this, we all can very much relate to this, and uh, as a result, I, I think that some of these things are, are going to definitely speak to us in, in, in some um, particular circumstances. So um, you'll have to forgive me as we kind of jump around here tonight, but we are, are, are going to make it through that um, in these lessons in Jesus' name. So um, 
let's kind of dive into this first one here. And, and in the middle of this one, we're going to jump to lesson 3.2, and then we're going to jump back into this one because they kind of just combine and fit together in Jesus' name. But I'm excited to see what God is going to do through these lessons here. Um, let me start with the scripture here. And it's Proverbs 17, 17. It says this, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. We're going to kind of speak on this, and then we're going to bring another proverb that says that um, brothers are pretty close things as well. But uh, this will make a little bit more sense as we dive into some of these lessons. It starts by saying this. On one particular day, word quickly spread from house to path, from women gathered at the well to farmers peddling produce. Jesus was nearby. Everyone wanted to see Jesus, and they had heard so much about what he was doing. They dropped everything, and they made their way to the house in Capernaum, where he was rumored to be. And it all seemed like everyone was there. The house was completely filled, and still people pressed in so they might hear him. And they strained to catch a glimpse of this teacher in this household. The four friends of the paralyzed man thought this would be a perfect opportunity to take their friend to Jesus. Maybe Jesus would heal him. The friends had heard of many great miracles already performed by this Jesus of Nazareth. And why not their friend? If there was any hope, it was worth the effort. By the time the friends gathered at his house, helped him in the makeshift cot, they made their way through the maze of footpaths to the house where Jesus was teaching. And there was absolutely no way to get inside. Almost frantic, one of the men pointed to the outer stairs leading to the rooftop. Many homes were designed this way to provide a surface for drying grain, storing the dried fruit, and even creating a place to sleep on warm nights. The other friends quickly agreed to head to the roof. They precariously clung to the cot, struggling to keep their balance while climbing up the narrow steps to the rooftop. Listening carefully to see where Jesus was teaching, they rapidly began removing the roof materials, the roofing materials. They created a space large enough to let the cot bearing their friend down into the room near where Jesus was teaching. And it must have been quite a spectacle to see the debris and the dirt falling from the ceiling as a hole appeared and then grew larger as the men removed more roofing. Think about the faith inside of that, removing somebody's roof off their house to put your friend in there with Jesus. That's pretty powerful. Four faces peered down into the packed room, though through the widening hole. And the room may have been packed, but as the cot was lowered from the ceiling, the people pushed back to make room and to avoid getting hit by this person. Jesus seemed unconcerned and continued to speak until the man on the cot was lowered squarely before him. When Jesus saw their faith, the faith of the four friends who had gone to such great lengths to bring this man to him, he said, Son, your sins are forgiven you in Mark 2 and 5. While they had hoped that their friend might be healed, no one expected such a statement from Jesus. They had never heard anything like it. Even the religious leaders looked puzzled, and their faces hardened with resolve. They started to say, he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone in Mark 2 and 7? But Jesus took this opportunity for a teaching moment to demonstrate an important lesson. He read their thoughts and answered their accusations, and he said, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then stretched forth his hand and spoke with authority. I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. 
Overjoyed, the five friends left the house of healing quite differently than they had arrived. All were walking, they were laughing, and excitedly sharing the events of the day moment by moment as they rejoiced in the restoration of their friend. Loyal friends are constant and consistent. Friends who are loyal in times of adversity are the most meaningful and a true treasure. That is a powerful story when you think about the friendship that went into that story. How powerful it is when you are able to bring a friend to Jesus. That out of anything that we can have in this world, you being willing to build a friendship with somebody and bring them to Jesus is so much more fulfilling than any sort of other friendship that we may have in this world for any other situation that is going on out there. And so that's why at the beginning I was saying that these lessons are so important, but they are so powerful as well, because if we can learn how to be friends to people, then we can learn how to make disciples, which we just spoke about, and we can learn how to show people Jesus Christ and what he can do. In, in, in that extreme situation, it's amazing to see that those guys are willing to take somebody's roof off their house to lower their friend down inside. They, they weren't caring about what that person might think, but they literally removed the roof. And, and I just, it causes me to giggle because I just think, man, that would be such an incredible sight to see of just this man coming down through the ceiling so Jesus could touch him. That's how much faith his friends have. So we can do that as well to our friends, and we can have that faith also. And I think it shows uh, it through this lesson here. But as brothers and sisters, we must be willing to do that with one another. So through developing friendships, we create a community of communication, a network of connectivity, and a support system to sustain us during difficult experiences and the fulfillment of contributing enrichment to others' lives. That fulfillment that begins to come as a result of beginning to relay things to other people and not just receiving as some people might. So the first blank in your book here, Jesus modeled the value of relationships by developing friendships among his disciples. He developed friendships among his disciples. If you think about that pretty deeply, Jesus just didn't call them his disciples, his people that were followers or his people that were doing his deeds, but they were coming so close that he began to call them friends. And this is shown in the scripture here in John 15 and 15. It says, henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known unto you. A powerful scripture where he's saying, man, you, you, I want you to be friends because servants just serve and they have really no clue what their, their Lord is doing or the person that is over them. But I want to call you friends so that I can tell you what my father has for your life or what, what, what God is basically trying to relay into your life. That's something that Jesus wants for every one of us to know what his will is inside of our life and what direction he's taking us. And he doesn't just want us wandering around inside of this world guessing that he might want us to do this or that or that that sort of thing, but he wants you to know that you have a specific purpose in this world. He has called you for a specific reason and to a particular place so that he can use you, and, and not just use you, but so that he can be a friend of yours and walk side by side. We sang the song tonight, um, I Am a Friend of God, and, and, and just kind of a testimony from my life in that song. That song has a very deep meaning. It's one of the songs that I, I remember from many years ago, but at Youth Congress in 2005, so many years ago, um, when Youth Congress wasn't in the big stadiums, but it was in the smaller arenas, and they actually had this section off half of it because there was only about 7,000 people there, which is still a lot, um, but you know, compared to today, it was very few. 
So in, in 2005, I went to the first youth congress, and I had just learned how to tie a tie and, you know, put on nice dress clothes and that sort of thing. And I went to the service, and we were in there, and we were pumping our fists to these songs. And, I mean, you know, it was great worship and that sort of stuff. But that song came on. It was the first time that I had ever heard that song. And I remember struggling to sing that song because I was thinking, I, I'm, I'm a friend of God. Like, is that really true? Are they singing the right lyrics? Am I hearing the right lyrics that I'm seeing on the screen? And I struggled to sing the, the song the first few times, but then by the time they, they came back through the verse a few times, I started thinking, man, I'm a friend of God. And, and just the power of that hitting me inside of that youth service really just began to impact me that, that, man, God loves me so much that he wants to be my friend, and I want to go back home, and I want to be his friend too. I want to live side by side with Jesus, and I want to have a deeper relationship with him because he has called me his friend inside of Scripture. That song just deeply impacted me in, in what it was saying there, just the a big idea of what this song was truly doing. And so it's something that we can think about, songs that we can sing and, and that sort of stuff. But Jesus wants to have that relationship with us, that friendship, and not just over us all the time and being this condescending God, but being a friend for every one of us. And so Jesus refused to call his disciples servants, but elevated them to the relationship of affection, something that was closer. And to truly develop followers into disciples, we must first develop acquaintances into friends. If we will ever truly develop disciples, we must truly develop friendships before we get to that discipleship stage. It's the way that it works, um, and it's the way that it's going to hold things together inside of this life, and we'll, we'll see that inside of this lesson here in Jesus' name. And so, as emerging disciples of Jesus, this is a question that you can think about. Would we be called fair-weather followers or faithful friends of Jesus? Would we be called fair weather followers of him or faithful friends of him? And so I want to show you a little bit of a cartoon that was on a friend's church. He's a, he's a pastor of a church in Canada, but this is what was on their, their, their church here. So we're going to go through a few slides. It's Jesus here, and I'll read this in case you can't read it in the back. But Jesus is saying, well, it looks like I'm up early. John will be up soon and should be here for the meeting shortly uh, for coffee. And so it goes on to say, Jesus says, well, the waiter comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, you're early. Are you ready to order yet? And he says, no, I'm afraid not. Just waiting for a friend. And the chair's still empty. So we go on. And he says, Jesus again, he's at work now, but maybe he'll come for lunch in a little bit. So 8.45, time's still going on. 12.45, he says, well, he'll for sure come after work, hopefully. He didn't come for lunch or breakfast or any of those places. And then... John does show up, and so Jesus says, John, there, there you are. I've been waiting for you all, the, all this time, and I've missed you. And John cuts him off as he's speaking this, and he says, Jesus, hey, yeah, work is super stressful. Speaking of, can you, you know, help me out with this project at work? I'm still stuck in between buying a house or staying at the apartment. So if you can help me out with that decision, it would mean a lot to me. And, oh, by the way, this girl at church, yeah, you know who, I, I really like her. So if it's your will and everything, make things go smoothly. And so Jesus doesn't get a word in, and John's walking away, and he says, oh, and heal the poor and heal the sick and stuff like that. Okay, I got to get up early for work, and it was good talking to you. See you tomorrow. Our Father who art in heaven, da-da-da-da-da, amen, and goes off walking away. But it was a cartoon that, you know, like I saw on there, and, and it, it does kind of hit your heart in some circumstances when you think about that Jesus truly wants to have this friendship with us, that he is preparing that table across from us every morning, and he's sitting there, he's like, man, I can't wait for him to get up. 
because I'm ready to have a conversation with him today. I can't wait for him to get up because, you know, I, I know that he has needs, but man, I want to relay so much more than that into his life and speak about the powerful things that are going to happen today if he's willing to listen to me or she's willing to listen to me. I mean, if you think about what Jesus truly wants to do in a friendship with every one of us, then you begin to realize how crazy great this life is and how crazy great these things are, living for Jesus and being inside of his scripture in Jesus' name. And so we go on to see uh, these things here. And, and uh, yeah, here it is again, you know, the waiter just saying, same time tomorrow, and Jesus says, yep, I'll be there tomorrow as well. And we know he will. We absolutely do. So not all of our friends can be called faithful friends. Not all of our friends can be called faithful to every single one of us. And we're going to speak about our friendships with other people, but we're also going to speak about our relationship with Jesus. And so some of our friends hang around as long as they are only on the receiving ends. And I'm sure that you have, you, you could pick people out, you could state names right now, and you could say, yep, I, I understand, I've been around this person. The only time I get around them and, and, and they want to be around me is when they receive something from me. And that, that's a very sad friendship. It, it's something to where, uh, you know, it, it, it takes us away from the true meaning of what Jesus desired friendships to be. The, the perfect example of this, can, can anybody think of an example in the Bible? I'll ask you all, see if you can remember one, of somebody who was only on the receiving end for a little bit. Okay. The multitude who wanted the food. Yeah, very much so. That's a, that's a great example. Great example. What's that? Lot. Yes. Amen. Judas. Yeah. Yeah, Judas was on the receiving end, and he threw it all away. Very much so. Yeah. What about another parable that Jesus told of his son? The prodigal son. Yeah, very much so. There's another example of, of the prodigal son. I mean, you know, he had all these riches and this money and that sort of thing. And those friends that he went out there and he was partying with and hanging out with, they only wanted to be around him with, when he had the money. That's when the good things were happening. But when, when all that money disappeared and he was eating with the pigs, you don't see any of those friends around anymore. They're all of a sudden gone and disappeared because they're hot. they don't receive that money and that, 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 that party and that, that idea, you know, that fulfillment of the flesh and that sort of thing. So, you know, he returns to his father and, and thankfully his father welcomes him back in. But we can think about that in today's world, that sometimes it's the same way, that if you just have riches or you just have the things that this world says is great, it's going to attract the wrong type of people. And so sometimes that's part of the reason why the Bible says that it may not be the best thing for you to be super rich, because you might have just all these fake, false friends inside of your life that will fall away and never support you or support your relationship with Jesus or give things back to you. And so it's something to consider um, inside of that. And so um, we, we want to bring people to Jesus, but there's a certain point where sometimes we have to maybe push away or disconnect ties because it's pulling us to a place that we don't want it to pull us in Jesus' name. And so your next blank here, it says some so-called friends like those of the prodigal, and uh, I, I guess we kind of already covered this, but um, you know, it's it's amazing to see that when they when they truly when his, their friend truly had a need, um, they they were gone. Let let me just ask this question. Maybe we can just by a show of hands. Have you ever had a friend who was only close when you had something that they wanted to share? Who was only close with that? Yeah. I think all of us could raise our hands inside of that. All of us could say, man, at some point in some time, I've had somebody who was just draining and pulling these things away. So if we continue on with this here, we see that faithful friends are those who are consistent 
throughout the ebb and the flow of life events. Does anybody have any friends that have been consistent with you through the ebb and the flow of life events? I think, you know, as we get older, you know, in high school, you think, man, like, I'm going to have, like, 10 million friends, and I have all these buddies who are super close, and we always eat lunch together and that sort of stuff. But as life goes on, you truly begin to see who your, your true friends are, the ones that you have to call in the middle of the night or, or maybe try to, you know, wake up or, for, for some of those situations. I um, you know, can think of a situation here where I, I had a friend at the police department and we were working very closely together and there's some tight-knit bonds that you can form inside of those situations because you're going into heated scenarios where you have to be able to trust that person next to you and only you two will ever be able to experience that or understand what it felt like to walk into some of those situations. Um, but this friend, and nobody in here would know him, and so um, I think he'd be okay with me sharing this, but he was a little bit worried this one day, and he said, hey, my, my wife just stopped texting me in the middle of the day, and he's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm not sure what's going to happen when I go home, but it's just not making a lot of sense. And so he, he went home, and as he walked into his house, half of his house was completely empty. Um, Half of the items had been completely taken from the house and that sort of thing. He had no clue that this was coming, and he walked into this. You know, they have three beautiful children together, and, and he walks in and just devastated, just beyond, you know, depressed and things like that. And so um, he, he, uh, he, he, didn't, he wouldn't uh, respond to me or anything like that. He wouldn't text me back and stuff, and we were supposed to work the next day. And so around 10 o'clock that night, right, as I'm getting ready to go to bed, he, he frantically calls me, and he's like, hey, man, just get here right now. I'm in a bad place. I need you here right now. I need you. Uh, just get here. And, and immediately you think, man, like, this is not good. Like, this is a, a bad situation. And I remember showing up at his house, and he's just sitting there in the front window of his house and, and just with his head in his hands, not saying anything, and just, just shaking and that sort of thing. And all you can do is try to relay comfort and, and that sort of stuff. But I, I'm thankful that I had built enough of a friendship in, in, with him prior to that, that he was willing to call me before he did something really silly that night and, and went to a, a very, very terrible place in, in Jesus' name. And I'm still believing that God's going to impact his life and bring him into church and that sort of thing. I, I know that he, he has some of a relationship there, and I'm believing it's going to continue to grow in Jesus' name. But it shows what, what we can do as friends, that there's sometimes that, you know, if we're going to be consistent friends or really, truly friends with people, we sometimes got to be willing to answer those calls, even when for us it means that we're going to stay up longer that night and we're going to come into work super tired the next day because, man, we were, we were through that. Uh, there's a certain point where, you know, a friend can continue to drag you down. If it's constantly need, 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 you need to consider what that is. But my goodness, if it's just a normal friendship and they're just going through normal life events, they may be calling on you as an apostolic, as somebody who knows Jesus as the one who always seems to have a smile on your face and always seems to have some sort of a hope in your household. Or even when things aren't going bad, you know what to turn to and it seems like you have an answer for something. They might be calling you up and it might be the perfect chance to lower them through the ceiling right on Jesus' doorstep and say, Jesus, man, now's a perfect time to touch this person and to impact their life and to see something happen and so we must be consistent true friends are consistent and so friendship in this it says it, it is tested when everything goes wrong when, when things are, are becoming a challenge that's when it's really tested and in the most trying times real friends will arise to the challenge with you they'll stand by your side and they'll say, you know what I'm going to help you through this situation we can get through this and I'm going to see this happen in Jesus name so we must be willing to do that uh, if we're going to be truly friends with other people. And we're going to speak about what Scripture says in that in, in, uh, towards the end of this lesson.
But good friends can become great friends when they share life together. Good friends can become great friends when they share life together. It makes sense that inside of those situations, you build those friendships as a police officer because you begin to understand those situations. I mean, you, you share these life events that nobody else can understand, not even spouses uh, can begin to understand those things. And so these shared experiences bring people closer together and deepen their friendships in, in, in this world. And so we, we want that to um, we, we want that to be seen. So this is partially why, you know, like I've told you about reaching out to people in the lunchroom and that sort of stuff when I was a teenager and, and reaching out to those kids who were kind of alone or those ones that were willing to show their true selves who didn't care if they were a nerd, but they were willing to just do whatever they wanted to do as a, a true person. Those people, I, I, I actually enjoyed becoming friends with them more so than becoming friends with the, the people who were the sports players or that sort of stuff because those friends had their true face on when you met them. They didn't care that people thought they were nerds. They didn't care what type of activities they were involved in. They weren't trying to put on this big face or this big persona that you had to break through and that sort of stuff. But they were people that were genuine and you could truly become friends with them because they were willing to expose the deep matters of their hearts and that sort of stuff. And so this speaking here about going to, through these life events together, sometimes it's just being willing to to open your heart up and being willing to expose yourself to people because if you don't, friendships aren't going to develop. They're not going to begin to draw us closer and, and that sort of thing. We're not going to get that true connection that friends need. And so great friendships can only grow when we become vulnerable and allow others to know us as we are. What we often find is that others have the same inferiorities and fears and feelings how else can we develop great friends without spending time together, letting down our guard and accepting others as God made them? If you think of it that way, that God made that person that way, and so it's not my responsibility to judge who they are. It's not my responsibility to say what their status level is on the scale, but it's just my responsibility to be friends with people and to become friends with people. Then that truly begins to change the situation in Jesus' name. And so here's this scripture that I was speaking about, about friendships. But it says this, that the wisdom of Proverbs, it says that a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. It's, it's a simple proverb. Would, would anybody agree with me on that? That if you're going to have friends, you're going to have to be friendly. Nobody likes to be friendly with the, the dumpster man that's just hiding in the, the trash can and pops out and growls at you and then goes back in the dumpster and that sort of thing. It just doesn't work. It's, it's going to be tough to speak to him. I mean, he's just going to hide out in that thing till he wants to come out and, and all that sort of stuff. So, so you've got to be friendly if you want to have friends and that sort of thing. Put a smile on or be willing to say hi to somebody when you walk into a place. And, and it goes so far when you walk into a grocery store and you just say, hey, you know, how was your day, man? Or like, you know, if somebody's checking you out, you just ask them, like, hey, how was your day? And if they don't want to talk, they don't want to talk. You, you just continue on and that sort of thing. But when they begin to relay, you know, maybe something that happened to them. I think Brother Jeremy was testifying about being in Smith's um, a couple months ago and, and just, you know, speaking to the, the person who was checking him out and, and just asking him a simple question. And they began to relate to him, man, you know, I'm struggling with this and I got this going on and these things here. And, and if you're an apostolic, it should be like, whoa, that's a big green light right there that God's given to me. Like basically a light from heaven shining on this person, man. This is a time that I need to talk to him about Jesus. Hey, can I pray for you right now? 
can I, can I give you a little bit of encouragement or speak to you about something that I know that, that can potentially help your situation? I don't have a lot of money. I don't have all the pills or the doctors and that sort of stuff. But, man, I got something that you could at least try for a little bit, and it's free. It doesn't cost you anything to, to get to this place. I mean, you, you can just present these things to these people that you become friends with and, and that sort of stuff. Again, I'm not saying that you're going to go out and do the things that they do on the weekend and that sort of stuff or be involved in the things that they're talking about or the things that they're saying, but it still means that you can have an open ear to them at certain points and times, and you wait for God to open those doors that need to be opened in Jesus' name. It, it, it's, it's, it's so awesome when you begin to see that flow into your workplace with that. And so it takes time to develop friendships. And we must have that time to, to develop true friendships. You can't just instantly develop friendships. And as much as we wish that we could, as much as we wish that these things could be poured into our lives, it, it doesn't take that. We, we have to have so much more so than that. And so we cannot truly know someone until we have spent time with that person. So let me ask you this question. What are some life experiences that brought you closer to your friends? Does anybody want to mention like a life experience maybe? A few of you that you can think of? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, a death. Very much so. I agree with that. You see how that can really open and expose somebody that like a deep part of somebody's heart for sure yes sister I think you, you brought out a great point there that sometimes being a friend, we don't have to be some magical person where we're, you know, like as amazing as Pastor Carnahan or, you know, have the, the answer out of every scripture, but just being an open ear sometimes and listening to people, um, that, that can go so far in, in so many different ways. I mean, so that, that can be a true friendship. Did you have something, brother? I didn't know if I saw your hand. No? All right. <laughs> Sounds good. 
Yeah, I mean, truly. So as, as friends, I mean, like it says, if you want to have friendships, you got to be friendly to people. And one of the ways of being friendly is just listening to them and, and opening up five minutes. I, I've told you all what Matt Johnson always used to say is that you, you can't underestimate the value of a five-minute conversation with anybody. I mean, just hearing them, listening to them, it could completely change their world or their life. And you don't know how much people look up to you potentially and so if you just have that five-minute conversation, it can really just blow the doors off of that friendship in Jesus' name. So some life experiences, some things that we can think of that will, will truly help us with this. So awesome. Our next point is to beware of anyone who is instantly claims to be a BFF or a best friend forever. I don't know if you all had that term when you all were teenagers, but man, when I was in high school, that was the best thing, BFF. You would always say, you know, you're BFF and that sort of thing, more, more so the ladies than the guys. But uh, we, would, we would use this term quite often, and it's a very good warning here. This is wisdom, to beware of anyone who instantly claims to be a best friend forever. We were just speaking about, you know, how, how friends, friendships need to develop over time and how um, with the prodigal son, he had those friends that were instantly his friends, but it was all because of the cash or the thing that he could relate to them. So somebody who instantly claims to be your best friend and, man, I'm here for everything and all that sort of stuff is probably a warning sign that you need to be very cautious walking into that relationship because that could potentially be something that you just spill everything into and then all of a sudden that friend is gone at the moment that you truly need them. And as a result, it can, it, it can hurt you uh, in, in your heart and that sort of thing, something that God will have to potentially heal. So loyal friendships take time to develop and they do not usually happen quickly. And just as quickly as some become BFFs, they may tend to have a disagreement and find that they are no longer friends. Though it is easy to pledge to be a friend forever, forever is truly a long time. And so we know the one that is truly going to last that long time in Jesus' name when we think about these things. So loyal friends, let's go back to loyal friends. That was just a bit of a warning in the midst of this. Loyal friends will go the extra mile above and beyond expectations. They'll go the extra mile above and beyond the expectations of you. For a friend to really become a loyal friend, there may be a time of testing. If a friend remains constant through a time of separation, working through issues that brought conflict or times of adjustment due to marriage or illness, then the loyalty of a friend is readily recognized. Loyal friends arise to the challenge during times of adversity. Again, they're the ones that when they see you enter the battle, they're going to be willing to, to give you that sword, to help you fight that battle, being willing to help you overcome what, what is going uh, on inside of your life. Those are the true loyal friends or the people in our lives that we want to invest in, the people that we want to become. I know that we're speaking about having these friendships, but ultimately, really what we're speaking about here is what we want to become as friends to other people. These are all, 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 all ideas that will help us become friends to other people. And if we become friends with them, again, we can see them be made into disciples in Jesus' name and, and have a relationship with Jesus. Loyal friends become more like family members. All of us have probably had a situation like that of somebody 
who enters your house as, as your friend, who didn't even have to knock or whatever, and, and your, your parents would let them right in and that sort of stuff, or they would go straight to the fridge and all that sort of thing. I remember my, my friend's mom, she would always get so mad because we'd always raid their, their fruit snacks, and they would never have fruit snacks for any of his siblings, so we would always eat those things. But we, we could walk right in the house. We could walk right down the basement. We knew right where they were at, and we could eat fruit snacks whenever we wanted to. And, and they were free for us, in Jesus' name. But, uh, but we had that loyal friendship uh, as a result of that. And so the same thing, we, we want to build that to people to where they feel safe, to, to where they want to come to our house and say, man, you know, like knock on our door and say, hey, I'm having an issue today. I've been driving in circles for a little bit. I'm not feeling super well. Can we just talk about something? And so, you know, you, even if you only have five minutes, you give them that five minutes and you speak to them and, and you encourage them and, and you give them that best effort to, to stand by them through those challenges. And not only that, but when you guys, when, when, when uh, friends get in those arguments or those fights and that sort of thing, you know, being willing to overcome that and say, you know what, we're not going to let the sun go down on this, but we're going to absolutely let God encourage us inside of this relationship. We're all going to have disagreements as human beings. We're all going to disagree with stuff at certain points in time and, and that sort of thing. But if we let God come in the midst of that, then we can just grow so much closer together. And you've heard the phrase, agree to disagree. Sometimes you have to do that. But if you let the word of God speak in those situations, then my goodness, it expands on those relationships. So loyal friends become like family, fam, uh, family members. And so life will always have its share of problems, but loyal friends will always be there. They will always be there. Adversity can be more easily overcome with the help of a friend, sometimes just listening ear, a compassionate gesture, or a helping hand makes all the difference and creates deeper friendships inside of those things. So now we're going to jump to our next lesson series here. We're going to dive into some of these things here as well. I think we're doing fairly well with time tonight, so that's a good thing. Um, so, closer than a brother. And this just kind of fits right into this lesson where these things go, go along those lines. Again, Proverbs 18.24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. A friend that sticks closer than a brother. I think everybody knows who we're talking about. Can you say that name? Jesus. Yes, there we go. Jesus is that friend that sticks closer than a brother. Very much so. So, we have friends, but somebody sticks closer than that. Natural-born brothers share the bond of a common bloodline. Natural-born brothers share the bond of a common bloodline. If you don't have a brother... Um, you know, it's something that you may not be able to fully understand, but it's something that, that's a lot of fun when you do actually have a brother inside of your life because you can go out and do all sorts of crazy stuff and get in all sorts of trouble and that sort of thing and have all these memories from your childhood. And I know my parents will probably be just laughing through much of this lesson, but you can, you, you can truly do just all sorts of things and, and stuff that you truly remember, and it just builds you so close with, with that brother. I mean, I, I absolutely love my brother, and I don't know if you all were able to experience this with your siblings, but we got to the point in life where we could just kind of pretty much understand what, what each other was going to do. So 
we would get in situations or competitions in our, our later teens in, in the youth group and that sort of thing where we might be playing a youth game or whatever, and, and we could just dominate in these games because we could just know what the other person is going to do. Um, we would know what they're going to act, what they're going to act like. I mean, we love the, the tag games and stuff like that because we could just basically read each other's mind as, as we played those games, and, and it just really helped us conquer those things, but it showed us that we could become very close as, as brothers in that common bloodline and that sort of thing. And so that's what we're speaking about here today in Jesus' name. And so we see that brothers often compete with each other as well, that there's also that competition going on. Can anybody think of a couple brothers who had a competition going on inside of the Bible? Cain and Abel, yes, very much so. Amen. Does anybody want to say what Cain and Abel had going a chance. What they were offering to the Lord. You want to kind of finish the story out? Well, um, one of them offered a good He did. Yes, very much so. Yeah, so, you know, and that was awesome, brother. I apologize for putting you on the spot, but you did a great job. Amen, in Jesus' name. But it shows us the sibling rivalry that, that sometimes God is going to favor somebody over us, potentially. Or, or God may put somebody in a calling that we think is, is the spotlight or the limelight and that sort of thing, but it doesn't mean that we are any less of a friend to God or any less of, of anything inside of his kingdom. Some people will be on the big stage and, and under the lights and that sort of stuff, but just because you're, you're not that way or you're the one that's cleaning the dust off the back row doesn't mean that, that God doesn't love you and God doesn't want to be your friend scrubbing those, that, that dirt with you or that sort of thing in, in Jesus' name. He wants to be right there with every single one of us no matter where he calls us. And so this is truly a tragedy in this situation of what happens between Cain and Abel because it's so contrary to what, what God has there. I mean, that he, he requests from them that they give a meat offering. And yet Cain decides, man, I don't need to do that, but I'm going to offer this fruit inside of that situation. As Abel, I could only think what, how, how heartbreaking that might be of when you, know, you see God telling somebody to do something and they just don't do it or they're, they're not hearing or they're not going to that place. I mean, we walk into a community where you know, some people know that Jesus named baptism, they need to be baptized in Jesus' name, and they hear that over and over and over again, but you walk by them and they just don't want to listen to what, what God is telling them, and it breaks your heart. It makes you want to build a friendship with that person, or it makes you want to see God impact their life rather than getting jealous over what they have or what they're doing or the parties they're at on the weekend. I mean, we can begin to change and transform that jealousy into more of a heartache of, man, I want to see God impact somebody's life that, that may be going through uh, some sort of a situation. And so, you know, there, there's these sibling rivalries that truly begin to, to, to take over these things. My brother and I used to get in, into fights when we were younger, and, and we were at one point getting in, in this fight in the kitchen. I remember thinking in that fight that if somebody doesn't step into this fight, like one of us is going to end up dead. It's not going to be good. We, we were, we were, we, it, it, I mean, you don't see it now, but when we were 10 years old, 11, whatever it was, we were truly fighting in, inside of that kitchen. I didn't know what was going to happen. 
in that. But though brothers may experience the competitiveness of sibling rivalry, when opposed by another outside of the family, they tend to stick together as brothers, and they fight against the adversary. They fight against the thing that is competing. And I'm telling you these stories because I wanted it to lead up to this one here, that there was a time that my brother was at football practice, and there was this kid on his football team, and this kid was walking up to my brother and kind of pushing him around and bullying him and that sort of stuff. And so my brother came back on, on the break in their, their football practice and came over uh, to our van, and I was sitting in the back of our van at that time, and my mom was in the front seat, and he was just bawling his eyes out, you know, two years younger than me, and just bawling his eyes out and saying, this kid's doing this to me and this and that and that sort of thing. And so I decided as the older brother that I was going to stand up for my younger brother, even though we just had these fights in the kitchen, and even though I didn't know who was going to win or die or that sort of stuff. But, but you know, it, it upset me that somebody was trying to hurt or harm my brother. And so um, if you haven't noticed, I don't have these super large guns up here. So I had to come up with a plan of what I was going to do to, to get back at this kid at that time. And so um, I, I, I began thinking, you know what? I'm a runner. My legs are pretty strong. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to drop kick this kid. So I opened up the van door. <laughs> And I stepped out as they were getting done with practice, and I walked up there, and I swung my leg back, and I started swinging it at this kid, and, and, and somebody put their backpack right in my way, right at the wrong moment in time, and so I kicked the kid's backpack, and it hits the, the other kid and that sort of stuff, and I go running away, but I felt like I was a superhero, you know, because, man, I'm not going to let this kid uh, hurt my brother and that sort of thing, even though my brother wants to, to kill me half the time. Like, I'm not going to let him take my brother's life, but it just began to show that bond of brothers and that sort of thing, of what we can have inside of the church, that, you know, there's times that we can run to Jesus and say, hey, man, you know what, uh, Jesus, brother Mike was getting hit pretty hard this week. Can, can you go kick Satan in the face for us a couple times this week? Can you go take care of him a little bit this week in Jesus' name? I mean, you can begin to, to fight for your brothers and that sort of stuff. Not that we're taking on Satan and all that sin and those things out there, but we can certainly run it to Jesus and say, man, you know what? I have a brother here that I'm wanting to fight for in, in the spiritual sense in Jesus' name. And it begins to put that desire in your heart that I want to fight for them. And so it leads us to the next comment here that says that blood is thicker than water. It's a well-worn expression that blood is thicker than water aren't you thankful that we have all been baptized into that 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 blood of jesus that we've all been baptized into that place that begins to to give us something that's thicker than what the world has out there in jesus name it begins to bond us together and 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 as we're talking about those situations that friends go through and grow together and think about the altar services that we have in, inside of a church service think about the worship or what god does here that that we together experience those things in this place and unfortunately the people outside won't be able to understand what happened Sunday night or, or the healing that occurred in our lives but we together can build friendships off of that because my goodness man we we remember what Jesus did we remember the power of the spirit that was in that place we remember what it was like in the prayer room at a particular time or when a prophecy came forward and we were the only ones there to hear it because we were there it grows us together in that bondage in Jesus name to where we can uh, a good bondage that we're bonded together with one another to fight against that adversary and kick him in the face in Jesus name for what he's doing to to our, our family members in Jesus name and so families will usually pull together and defend one another in times of adversity 
They will pull together and defend each other in these times. They'll, they'll be willing to fight back against these things that are coming up against them. If you think about the, the worldly aspect of this, the Hatfields and the McCoys in the 1800s in the hills of Kentucky and West Virginia. I don't have enough of an accent to say that in the slang of that, those, those, those states there, but you think about how widespread that is, of how the history continues forward, that we still know about these families that, that, that much longer in Jesus' name. It's the same thing that, you know what, I want to be willing to go to bat for every one of you, to, to have your back, that when somebody in the community says, man, that person, I don't really know about them, I'll say, you know what, I know them in a different sense. I know them through Jesus' eyes, and they are incredible. God is using them. They're, they're powerful. There's something about that person. There's a calling on their life. There's something that's there. That's what I want to speak into, into people's lives, that, 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 that being willing to fight against the enemy because of that mixture of, of blood that is, is great in Jesus' name. So we have seen this in the mixing of blood, that it was a seal to the oath that brothers and, and that sort of thing would prick their fingers and put their hands together and their blood would mix and they would become truly blood brothers in that sense. And so there's various cultures that will even do this as, as a, a, they'll, they'll, they'll mix their blood in various other ways and that sort of stuff because they want to be bonded together and they realize how strong that blood can truly become in each other's veins. And so although the blood oath was a symbolic action, the solemn rite bound the participants together as blood brothers. It was symbolic, but it bound them together. Violation of this oath severed the life-giving connection between the parties and assumedly such a trans transgression would result in death. Kind of some powerful words there. The violation of this severed or of this oath that severed the life-giving connection between the parties and assumedly such a transgression would result in death. How true is that to baptism? How, how true is that in our relationship to Jesus that when we're baptized in the water, I, I don't want to gross anybody out, but truly it's a representative that we're, we're baptized because of his blood. His blood was shed, and, and that's what truly cleanses us in that sort of thing. But when we go down in that water, we, we, we create this oath with Jesus of Jesus, you know what, I'm going to start making a commitment now, and I'm going to start serving you. I'm going to start uh, reading your word. I'm going to start trying to show up at that dinner table when you have those things set for me, and I, I want to be in that place with you, Jesus, to hear what you have going on. But when we separate or we violate those things, then it, it, it equals death or a separation from God, something that's getting between us and him and who he is. It's that blood bondage that we can break. And if we do, we're looking at some potential consequences that if continued would result in not being able to live with him for all of eternity, something that is not good. And so Proverbs 18.24, we read that at the beginning of this lesson. It says that a man that hath friends must show himself friendly to other people. Scriptural counsel is simply to be friendly. It's very easy if you want to have friends. But also, I want to remind you in that, it says that there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We've been speaking about brothers up to this point, and I told you stories about my brother and I, and how, you know, even in, in our fights, we'd still go out there and defend one another and fight one another. We got in numerous fights in our neighborhood against other kids and threw rocks and that sort of stuff, and they would come crying to our house, and you need to apologize. And at one point, our mom made us apologize to him, and we didn't want to, but we had to. 
and that sort of thing. But we stuck together. We, we fought together and that sort of thing. But still, this says that there is somebody that is even closer than that brotherly relationship. Somebody who wants to fight for me even more so than that. Somebody who wants to be there every single second of every single day. And you all said the name. You all know who this is. It's Jesus. And Jesus wants to have that relationship more so than you. So now does that song, I, I am a friend of God, begin to make it a little bit more sense. And it's not just a friend friend. It's not just a brother friend. But this is a friend that's beyond a brother. A friend that's beyond what we can comprehend as human beings. A friend beyond what we could begin to write down as a true list of what we think a friend should be. But he is way beyond that, wanting to take us to so many places and to defend us and to fight for us and to see us truly enriched and have joy and peace in our lives. But not only that, but if we're going through battles and that sort of stuff, which he might put us in to, to help us become better people, if we're going through those things, he's going to be right there with us because at one point in time, he had already fought through those things and he had already went through those things and he had already experienced those temptations that we as, as human beings are experiencing right now. Now. It's an incredible thing to think about that Jesus desired that so much. And, and it's case in point that when he was willing to come down here in this world, he was willing to enrobe himself in the same flesh that you and I have and willing to enrobe himself with the same thoughts that you and I have, with the same temptations that you and I have, with the same challenges spiritually and with the devil and with the flesh and those things. He was willing to enrobe him with all of that so that he could fully understand what we were doing, but not only that, but he could show us that, man, I'm willing to be right there in the trenches with you. I'm willing to help you dig this trench and get through this place in your life because I have experienced it. I have been there with you. I know what it feels like, and I'm going to be here with you. And the greatest part about that was that 24-7, he is available. If you talk about a friend must show himself friendly, my goodness, Jesus showing up every single time inside of that. We can think about the prayer room, that man, every time we walk in there, there hasn't been a time that I haven't been able to find Jesus. If it is, it's because of me saying, no, he's not here, or pushing the table away, or that sort of stuff. But he's always there waiting for me. He's always there ready for me inside of his scripture to speak to me through his word, and to speak to me with what is inside of there. Just, I mean, the options and the opportunities that Jesus gives us to be a loyal friend is incredibly powerful, and I'm so thankful for that. And so a friend closer than a brother is a devoted friend as well. And so Jesus is that friend, and I think we went with that. Jesus is that friend who sticks closer than your brother. Let's read some scriptures on this, and then we'll jump back into our other lesson and close this out tonight. In John 15 and 15, it says, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father. I have made known unto you. He didn't keep those secrets back that you might be able to heal somebody, that you might be able to speak in tongues and see something happen around the world, that you might be able to pray against spirits and have them overcome inside of your household, that you might be able to pray for some of these things. He didn't keep those secrets back. He let them out there wide and open, and he said, you know what? You have power now that I've came here into this world. You have the ability to see things change in Jesus' name, and he spoke it out to us because he wanted to be a close friend to every single one of us. Again, Romans 5 and 8, it says, God commanded his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
He died for us, not somebody around the block, but for us, every one of us in Jesus' name. And again, Scripture says, John 15, 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man may lay down his life for his friends. What a powerful, powerful Scripture to think about. And this isn't just talking about laying down a physical life, but it's also talking potentially about being willing to spiritually fight and lay down your life for those around you. I'm not talking about giving up God for your friends, but what I'm saying is that you're willing to fight to bring God into their life, to show them Jesus, to push back some things that are coming into their world in Jesus' name. And you, through your prayers, can fight and pray against some of those things. I just want to remind you of one more um, friendship before we dive back into that other lesson. But does anybody remember who was David's friend? Jonathan. And if you think about a friendship, that, a physical friendship in this world, that's a great one to look at. Because Jonathan defied his father Saul, who was a king and who was coming after David. And he went to David and he began to relate to David, hey, my dad's coming after you. This is what's happening and this is what's going on. And those two were stuck together incredibly well through some very, very tough and hard times. And so that's your homework assignment to go home and read that, research that, and look into that in Jesus' name. But if we go back to this lesson here, if this will let me scroll back um, to our first lesson, we will see what type of a friend Jesus truly is to every single one of us. So John, he was a loyal friend to Jesus. John was a loyal friend to Jesus. While other disciples fled in fear or denied any relationship with Jesus, John stayed close to Jesus. It appears John was the only disciple who was at the cross before Jesus died. John was standing by to comfort a grieving mother and offered loving concern to Jesus as he endured the pain of crucifixion. Jesus recognized John's presence and he left the care of Mary, his mother, to John. John was recognized as the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's pretty powerful when you think about that. And John 19, 26 to 27 gives us the scripture on this. It says, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold your son. Continuing on, it says, Then saith he to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Speaking about close friends or friendships with Jesus, you think about, man, where John was at, that's a place that we all can be if we truly let Jesus become our friend inside of our lives. Jesus loved at all times, not just when he was feeling affirmed and that everything was going well. He called Judas friend. If you look at Matthew 26 and 50, the one who was going to betray him, he called him his friend. That is powerful. The one who was going to, to eventually turn him over to his captives. If we think about that in today's world, if somebody was leading the police in here to handcuff us and there, there he is, that's where he's at, you would start to feel some anger and some, some, some that, that sort of thing towards that person. You may never ever like that person ever again or want to have that, but to be able to call them a friend still, that's powerful what Jesus is showing us here, that he still loved even inside of this deep pain. Jesus truly loved 
his disciples, those that were following him. He truly did not see them as servants or people that were walking around doing good things for him, but he made an intention to show that he loved those disciples. Jesus planned for the success of his disciples. Luke 22, or I think 23, yeah, 22, 32 says this, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not, and when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. He wanted to see them succeed. He wanted to see Peter succeed inside of this. This is where he's speaking this for, for Peter and the success here. And though Peter protested that he would never deny the Lord Jesus, Jesus assured him that before the rooster crowed the following morning, Peter would have denied him three times. He was the disciple to whom Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom, and friendship with the disciples did not depend on their perfection. Jesus' affection was not predicated on flawless performance. He understood their frailties, their failings, and their faults. Yet he loved them and prepared them for success because that is what friends do, preparing people for success. I want to see you succeed. I don't want to see you fail, but man, you're not perfect, but man, I want to see you succeed in, in Jesus and that sort of thing. He gave them the tools, the keys to the people who would betray him and speak against him and that sort of stuff, but he was still willing to be that friend. That is incredible when you think about that. Jesus' instruction to us is very similar. He says, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another, love each other. So Jesus' fellowship was marked by love, and his disciples would be well known for their treatment of one another. If we are to reflect Christ in our culture, we must adapt his way and embrace his expectation. We show forth Christ in our lives through the love for others and our loyal friendship to one another. And that is what scripture says we will show Jesus as when we go through this. So I want to conclude this just by reading this last little story here in Jesus' name. It says, on his way to the feast in Jerusalem, Jesus passed by a man near the pole of Bethesda, who had been an invalid for 38 years. The traditional belief was that the angel of the Lord would come by and stir the waters of the pool, and whenever that happened, the first one into the pool would receive healing. A gathering of those who were suffering with various infirmities gave witness to the desperation with which they sought for healing and deliverance. Jesus asked the man at the pool, do you want to get well? And the man had, had, had heard the tale, and he concluded that even if the waters were troubled, I have no one to help me into the pool where the water is stirred. He was envisioning the moment of the miraculous, but in despair recognized he could never be the first one into that pool because he had no friends to help him. It is a sad contrast to the story of the paralyzed man with the four loyal friends who went to such great lengths to make sure he received his healing while visiting Jesus in Capernaum. This man at the pool of Bethesda had no friends to stay with him. Neither were there any concerned about his welfare nor the opportunity for a miracle. Fortunately for him, the miracle worker had come his way and stopped by the mat where he lay. Before him stood the one who could perform the miracle he desperately desired. No miraculous sign was needed, no stirring water or angel's visit. Jesus just spoke the healing command of get up, pick up your mat, and walk. 
He was instantly cured. He stood up, picked up his mat, and he walked. We never know when we may need the help of others and cultivate friendships so someone could be present when you most need help. Strive to be the friend who is present when others need help. When we have invested time and given of ourselves in a friendship, we can expect others to be there for us when we need a true friend. If you think about that, how, how, how great that had to, to be for Jesus, to be there when that man needed help the most, my goodness, we all can do that as well inside of the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. So if we can stand tonight, I pray that something in this lesson pricked your heart or spoke to you in some way. I think it gave us all something that we can go home and work with uh, in Jesus' name, that we all can truly become better friends for people. Um, I'll be the first one to admit that, that I can do better tomorrow by, by all means. I certainly can, and I want to do it because Jesus did it, and I want to have a relationship like he did. So if we could just lift our hands, let's let that be our prayer tonight as we conclude this service. Lord God, we thank you again for just the powerful word that you have brought here, Lord, the conviction, and we thank you for coming across that table from us, God, and just being willing to speak into our hearts tonight, Lord, that you have came into this service, God, and you have given us some things, Lord, that we can work on, God, that we can become better friends inside of your kingdom, and God, we can reach people around us, Lord, by becoming friends with them and showing them who you truly are, God. I pray that you would show us those green lights this week, God, that you would show us those people that we can develop those relationships with, God, to see you, God, work in their lives and see people saved, God. Lord, we believe that, that you inside of us, God, can do the miraculous and work through us, God. And we are so thankful tonight, God, that you have died on a cross, Lord, that you have been willing to have that relationship with every single one of us, God, and you are willing to take those sins from us, God. Thank you for filling us with the gift of your Holy Ghost tonight, God, and we believe that you will continue, Lord, in Jesus' name, through all these things. In Jesus' name, we believe it. Amen. Can we give him one more round of praise for just how great a friend he is?